We've got new champions, the Undisputed Era keep getting attacked, and there is a shocking return to crown this week's episode of NXT. So full disclosure, I actually watched this last night because I couldn't avoid the spoilers. Everyone, like it was coming at me from every angle. So I said, okay, before before I, you know, have to go through a whole nother day of this, I will watch it, I'll review it, and I'll get it ready for tomorrow. So if there's some stuff I don't really remember, I'm sorry, it's just... You know, it is, I, I literally watched it midnight last night. But it was a really good episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, in fact, the first two matches were phenomenal. The first one was Kushida versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream. Oh, WWE, you've given me a gift. You've given me two big violent boys that just want to fuck up the Velveteen Dream. And it was a f- it was phenomenal. Kushida, I was afraid Kushida would kind of get lost in how violent Ciampa is, but no, Kushida really held his own during it. In fact, Kushida ended up winning the match, which surprised me. Um, The fact that they're having Velveteen still wrestle with a cast on is beyond me. Like, I get it. We kind of just took it for granted when Bob Orton did it in the 80s, but now I'm like, okay, whatever. But there was some really fun creative offense in this, like Ciampa hitting his, uh, hitting Widow's Bell. I believe that's what it's called. Um, Onto both of them. So he got one and then got the other and then hit it on both of them. That was great. Um, At one point, Kushida just stone cold flatline Ciampa into Dream's dick. And that was hilarious. It was just really fucking solid. Basically, imagine if their takeover match, Kushida and Dream, just had another violent, violent force. And that's what it was. It was really, really good. I love the fact that WWE is big on Kushida. Uh, Kushida got the victory after Ciampa ran into a forearm from Dream's cast. And then Kushida was able to get him for a pinfall. And I like it. I like the fact that Kushida is now finally getting to be Kushida and not our re- just the resident person from Japan. So, yeah, this was a fun opener. Then we get a promo from Undisputed Era, which was hilarious because Adam Cole was a robot, basically. He was an iPad, so he was basically Skyping in. That was fun. Um, they've gotten a lot better at cutting promos and not sticking to that basic WWE babyface style. Uh, at one point, they referred to the tag team of Roddy and uh, Bobby Fish as the Rod and Bob Express, and that Stone Cold popped me. It was really, really fun and basically set up, yeah, we're going to win the titles tonight, and then things begin to happen so we get a promo package for ripley versus raquel which is going to be next week at halloween havoc and then we move into the second great match ember mood versus jesse kamea and i'll be honest i had not seen a lot of jesse before this so i was kind of more expecting a squash but instead it was a lot more interesting than that it was uh, of course last week ember talked about wanting to go through the whole division and having kind of a cocky arrogance about it well this week jesse kind of put her in her place Ember started off with like this very veteran 
arrogance and jesse was able to take advantage jesse was able to get really clever with ember and what i liked about this match also was the fact that ember never tried any traditional ember moon moves instead she was focusing on her mat wrestling she was focusing on submissions and i'll be honest jesse did phenomenal just playing the role of the young up-and-comer getting ember back on track it was fun ember won by submission which i loved it kept the uh, eclipse protected the eclipse Eclipse is such a badass move that it's almost like The Fiend. You don't want to pull it out every week. And I loved this because it showed Ember she can't just run through the division. Every match is going to be work to get through. And then post-match, she is attacked by Dakota Kai, which, fuck yeah, I love that. I want that rivalry to happen. We'll probably see it blow off next week at Halloween Havoc. And I, I like that. Dakota is a fun rival for anybody heading into NXT, and she plays a really good foil for Ember. So then we go backstage to discover Bobby Fish has been attacked. Another person going after the Undisputed Era. Who could it be? Will we find out tonight? Stay tuned, true believers, to find out. Then we get Austin Theory versus Bronson Reed. Fuck. I don't care. I love Bronson, but it's whatever. This was, ju- this was just another match to continue the Austin Theory losing streak. During this, we actually get a basic, kind of like a voicemail from the backstage interviewer explaining that Bobby Fish has been taken to a local medical facility, which is WWE for hospital, and Kyle O'Reilly is taking his place, which, fuck yeah, I love Kyle. That should be really good. Uh, it made it feel more official that they actually communicated with someone backstage rather than just a commentator saying, hey, this happened. Um, so then Theory loses. Bronson gets him. Bronson kills him. Um, I still, I wasn't sure at this point what they were doing with Theory. It seemed like he was just the heel to come out and lose to people. I wasn't sure what his story was. But then Theory grabs the microphone. It says, I am the future of NXT. I am the future of WWE, and I'm not leaving until I beat you. So Bronson comes back, and they just do another match. And then Bronson beats the fuck out of him again. This one was more of a squash, not kind of the back and forth that the first match was. One, two, three. And then, yeah, that happened. That happened. Cool. And then we go backstage to Zia Lee, who is sitting by with Casey Catanzaro, I believe is the way you pronounce her name. And... It's Zaya once again saying, I need this fight to happen. I need to win. I need this. And the thing is, despite the fact that it was a mystery what was going on, it added so much to the match later on. We'll, we'll get to it, but just this passion from Zia of, I need to win this. I need this. I need this. It added so much stakes to just what would usually be considered a bathroom break match. So we come back from commercial. Austin Theory gets in his van and says that he quit. And I'm not going to lie, I was very happy about that. I popped for that. Then we get a six-man match. uh, Legato Del Fantasma versus uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Atlas, and uh, Ashante Adonis. Which, fuck yeah, more Ashante Adonis. And when we come back, the baby faces are already in the ring from commercial. They didn't get an entrance, so that kind of already spells doom for them. And the beginning was pretty interesting, because Legato were trying to be clever, like do a pincer move, get on all sides of the ring. But it just led to, like, three beatdowns, and that was it. Then we had, unfortunately, a basic six-man match. Like, there was still interesting stuff, because all these guys can work. The heels took... Uh, took control during the commercial break because that's what happens in wwe and i'll be honest the one thing i realized out of this match is just how much this rivalry 
has made Swerve. Because I love Ashanti and I love Atlas, but they definitely seemed like second fiddle. They seemed like second fiddle to Isaiah, Swat, or Isaiah Scott. And then uh, there was a really badass spot where I can't remember who did it, but they hit a Spanish fly off the apron to the outside through a pile of people. It was badass. But then Legato does what they do best, which is divide and conquer. They keep all three members of the team separated and they got the victory. The interesting thing for me was post-match, though, because Escobar, who had taken out Swerve, looked a little bit off, looked a little bit... I don't know if he was just hurt or what, but he just, he just seemed off. But yeah, this was your basic six-man. It was to continue this storyline. I like the fact that, at least in this case, Legato and the Babyface team have shown some sort of like connection so it makes sense not hey we're gonna put the tag team champions with the wwe champion like it's not that so at least that was fun then we get a segment with the gargano family where johnny gargano just screams about how much he hates wheels and then they have a training wheel to prepare them for next week spin the wheel make the deal matches and johnny keeps getting like casket match buried alive it was fucking hilarious and then he ends it by screaming i hate you wheel yeah it was short simple and to the point and it was very fucking good and i love the gargano family i really want them to win next week but yeah it was short simple to the point much like our next match maverick and dane taking on ever rise and the story of this match was uh, kind of this is the turning point of the rivalry or not rivalry the team of dane and maverick where we see if they can work together we see what their team's going to be like And I love the way it happened, because for the first time in this entire team's history, Dane looked to be the one in danger. Dane looked in trouble, and on the outside, one one of the members of EverEyes, I really wish I could remember their names, um grabbed Maverick and starts screaming about like he's your only friend he's your only friend and you're about to watch him get beat up and then Maverick just grabs a fucking chair and beats the shit out of him it was great I loved it because it let Maverick show that he had a lot more passion than he's like to talk than he's like to show in the past it was just really phenomenal and then afterwards Dane looks at him like he's about to beat him up because he lost them the match and Maverick looks at him like I'm sorry and then Dane just goes that was awesome hell yeah and then they walked to the back it was really fun it was really sweet and also it made maverick look like he belonged in this team before this maverick looked like a guy he looked like dane's weapon that you would just give to dane and he would throw at people but now you see why they work well together it's really really fun in fact i wouldn't doubt like if they had a serious turn if they could be tag team champions uh go backstage roderick's dead roderick's been taken out too so now what is there to do what do we do now so kyle uh uh, kyle is interviewed backstage like they've got everyone there brizongo they've got oni and birch and kyle looks at regal and says i'm not wrestling without them and then oni and birch are like no no no, take one of us take one of us and we can win them together and then kyle just says no I'm not going to do this. Kyle leaves, and now instead of Undisputed Era versus Breezango, we have Oni and Birch versus Breezango, which I thought was really interesting. Then we have Zia versus Casey, and like I said earlier, this match was one of their basic matches because they're both really good workers, and like I've said in the past, all they've been missing 
is story. All they've been missing is character. And just that little bit of story, just that I need to win this for this mysterious reason, added so much to it. Uh, I thought Casey could have worked on worked on her strikes a little bit, but really the story of this is Zia dominating and then Casey trying to come back. But then Casey gets a roll-up leading to a Zia beatdown. So rolls her up, one, two, three, and then you see this look on Zia's face of, oh no, I lost. And then she snaps, beats the hell out of Zia, beats the uh, hell out of, can't believe I can't remember her name, but the girl who's always with Casey. And Zia's just uh, vicious. But then Raquel Gonzalez comes out and fucks everybody up and then was just like, hey, Ripley, we're going to fight next week. And, you know, I get it. I get that you want to continue that storyline. And we haven't seen Raquel in the ring, so it is important to show her dominate, but... The Zia story was being told, and it felt weird to put a pause on that just to build up a match for next week. I I don't know, but that was just me. So then Cameron Grimes cuts a promo backstage where they're asking him, are you prepared to take Dexter Loomis? And of course, he's like, next week is I beat Dexter Loomis so many times. I don't care. And they're like, you know, it's a like house of horror match or whatever they named it. And he goes. Well, well, no, I ain't scared. No, I ain't, I'm Cameron Grimes, baby. I ain't scared. And the whole time, Dexter is behind him, like behind a glass door, staring at him. It was really eerie. And Cameron, of course, looks afraid. He's like, I'm going to the moon, baby. I have. But you could tell he's like unconfident. It was really fun. It's re- Fuck, give this guy a title. Just put him on my TV more. I just want more Cameron Grimes on my TV. I love that. Live that boy. So uh, now we get a little Io Shirai promo ahead of her match against Candice next week. Then we have a live episode of Thatch's Thatch Can, which I wasn't sure was going to work. But luckily, the CWC is made in such a way that they can turn off the audience and put up like a brick wall scene. They can put scenes in the ring, which is really buck wild. But it made it feel like an actual episode of Thatch's Thatch Can. Um this is just a good segment overall. He's uh, beating the living shit out of his student. And of course, the segment ends when his student gets fed up, goes to attack him. Thatch, uh, he actually gets a little bit won over on Thatch, but then finally Thatcher gets out of it and says, okay, if you want to do this, we're doing this. And we get Thatcher versus his student. His name was Anthony. And I don't know if that was his last name or his first name, uh, but it, it was basically Thatcher beating the fuck out of a guy tapping them out and i love these segments because a they are creative they're not the normal thing you would see which is just a bunch of matches but it still puts over how vicious and violent of a competitor is but it also puts over how intelligent thatcher is it's really really fun i i love the these thatches thatch can segments because i thought they were hokey when i was just reading about them but seeing them they're really great uh, then we get a promo for Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano for next week. And now we move on to the main event, Breezango versus Oni and Birch. And I really like this pairing. I liked the, the this pairing because you have Breezango, who I, I don't want to say they're jokes because they're not, but they definitely have a lighter, more fun-loving, goofy kind of character type. And then you have Oni and Birch, who are very serious, violent wrestlers. It's a fun pairing seeing them go at it because... 
they're so different, there has to be a give and take. Someone has to change. And in this case, it was Brizongo. They showed more viciousness than I've seen in a very long time. And one at one point, uh, I can't remember who said it, but they nicknamed Breeze a pit bull with a pretty face, which is fucking phenomenal. And in my opinion, this was a character-changing match. This is the match that made Brizongo look like they deserved those championships. Which is ironic, because then Brizongo lost the championships. Um, th- I will say, I kind of got bored of it, like, halfway through, because, you know, the opening match was vicious, but it was very creative. This one was just punches and chops, not much creative. There were a few really cool spots, but outside of that, it was a, it was a punch-chop fest. But then Fandango goes up to the top, gets ready for the diving leg drop, when a mystery man shoves him off the top rope, and then Oni and Birch pin Breeze, one, two, three, center of the ring. Oni and Birch are new tag team champions. Because, fuck, I guess they were like, well, we gotta give Brizongo something, but I don't know what to do with them. Good work, WWE. And then the mystery man walks into the ring, and it's fucking Pat McAfee. Which, I wasn't reviewing shit when Pat was around, but... He's a good heel, which pisses me off. He's a really good heel, he's a decent worker in the ring. And I understand why they bring him back. And he puts over Oni and Birch as the new champions. He cut a promo post-show on the network, basically putting them over even harder. And, yeah, and then, of course, sends a a shot to Undisputed Era, signaling that he was part of the reason why they've been assaulted. So all I can assume is this was going to set up a War Games match of Birch, Lorcan, McAfee, and Holland versus Undisputed Era. And honestly, it felt like this is where... Holland was supposed to interfere, but instead, since Holland got took out, they said, okay, I guess we're going to have to do McAfee now. But yeah, uh, it was a choice. In fact, this was the only thing from the show that was spoiled for me, and I'm kind of happy it was, because I was able to taper my expectations, because, you know, it was. I described it on this week's Fight Boys, which you can actually listen to today. It should be up sometime. I, I described it as being tied to train tracks and knowing that a train's coming to hit you, because, like... The minute UE got attacked, I was like, oh no, it is. Because like, there's that part of your head that says, maybe someone was fucking with me. Maybe Pat's not back. But yeah, no, Pat was there. It's a thing. Whatever. Overall, though, good show. Really good show. Like I said, had a fucking phenomenal opening. Really good stuff. I- I'd put it probably a little bit below AEW, so maybe 3.5 out of 5. But even then, really good show. Just... There were no show tunes, so how could I love it as much as I loved AEW? But do you agree? Do you gr- disagree? Let me know on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That is S C O T T Y E M O. And of course, remember to support us on Patreon so you can watch all these shows live with us on our Discord. We watch wrestling, we watch movies, we do fun virtual trips to Disney World, we do all sorts of shit. And the only way to get it is by donating at patreon.com slash a load of BS. But as always, remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boys Show. Because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life.